hear my sexy voice now? Is that yeah? Better good. How about you, Dread? Where are you at? Can we hear you? Yeah. How about it? You yep, you're good. I'm coming in all right. Okay. Yeah, I got me a little uh, better lighting now. I got a little uh, one of those little round yeah lights that you can kind the of podcasting adjust, uh, lights, right? Yeah. So that's nice and fancy. Look at you makes being a, all yeah, fancy. Makes softer appearance. Yeah, and you can adjust whether warm, you know, warm or cool light and stuff like that. Right. So mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Yeah, that's what my adjustment is. My window. I do have a light, uh, though. Did you say your window? Yeah, my window. That's your. That's your. That's your podcast lighting. <laughs> that's right. What my, do you use for podcasting? A Venetian blind. I use the sun. Yeah. Nicholas. Nicholas, how are you? Hey. How are you? Hey. <laughs> Good to see uh, you, man. I wasn't sure I was in the right meeting, actually. But yeah. oh, you're here. You're here. You're here. You're in the right good. meeting. Good, good. Welcome, welcome to the thanks. show. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for coming, man. Yeah, this uh, is an honor for us. We are really grateful to spend, a, spend some time with you. So thanks for thanks for uh, ah, spending cool. time with us. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, so the pleasure's all ours. We we've we heard about you uh, from Wildcard. He he's a huge fan. I'm sure he'll be talking to you about how big of a fan he is of your band. And so <laughs> yes. it was through him that we all listened to your music. I'm like oh, okay. He's like we got to get Nicholas on. We got to talk to him. I'm like yes, yeah. okay, let's do this. So, ah, cool. Thank you very much. I, I want to make sure I know how to pronounce your last name. Is it Stalvind or Stalvind or? Uh, it's more like Stolz. Stolvind? No, if I say it in Swedish, it's Stolvind. Stolvind. So yeah, so <laughs> close? You were right. Good yeah. luck with that, Montag. Stolvind. Yeah. It's close. The, the B and the W are kind of close. Stolvind is fine. It's, it means, uh, it means uh, wind, steel wind. Nice. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Excellent. Rad, <laughs> there you go. Damn. I mean, when you come up with that thing, you've got to be metal, man. What else yeah, are you going yeah, yeah. to do with your life <laughs> with that thing? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Can't get a normal job, no. <laughs> no, no way. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to be an accountant with that name. You'd be a pretty, be a pretty, uh, pretty sick yeah. uh, meteorologist with that name. Yeah. 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 Maybe a flower yeah. shop owner. You know? <laughs> Steel wind flowers. You know? yeah. Yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, <laughs> That's Excellent. great. This is going to be fun. We're going to have a good time. Yeah. And we're going to talk to you about your uh, V behind you. We definitely want to know about that as we go. Yeah. yeah it's a... It's, uh... An old Gibson uh, that I'm custom built and custom built and, and altered to be a good live V for the Wolf show. So I'm happy to talk about that. Excellent. Excellent. Cool. cool. All right. Well, we're going to do our great intro and then uh, we'll, we'll get right into it. Great intro. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is the best intro ever, man. It is. It All is. right. Okay. Here we go. What's up, you metal maniacs, horror freaks? This is Deb from Lady Beast, and you're listening to Metal and Horror Podcast. Hope you enjoy it. I am Montag, Master of Illusion. What goes up must come down, but not always. And Chop Top not here, so I'm Dreadbull. Wild card. <laughs> and you are watching and listening to 
Heavy Battle, Battle. What I tell How you, how exciting! Isn't yes, that, doesn't that get you pumped? <laughs> yeah, man. Yes, it's almost like a steel wind intro. You know? don't, don't insult the man. No, it no, and it's a great compliment. <laughs> uh, tonight, kiddies, we've got a great show. We've got Nicholas Starwind from Wolf. Stalvin Starwind, meaning steel wind. I love yeah, that. That's, that's, all that's my favorite thing that's that I've learned know, so man. far. It's already uh-huh. a great show because I learned something. I love it. Yeah. Nicholas. Yeah. Well, I'm changing to... my name to Steel Wind. <laughs> you should be, man. You should. <laughs> that's way better. <laughs> Welcome yeah. to Heavy Metal Horror, man. It is great to have you on. Yes. Thank you. That was the most epic intro I've ever seen on a YouTube show. <laughs> I told you, Dreadful. Yes. Yes. Write just that too one kind. down. We already know he's way too kind. <laughs> yeah, the fact that he's on our show shows how kind <laughs> yeah. he is. And then his complimentary is <laughs> yeah. too much. He's, he's going to be putting us in a bag of regrets Not later on. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, Nicholas, uh, your band Wolf, we, uh, you know, I know Wildcard is a, is a huge fan of your band. I know he's going to talk to you all about that. And, and we were just talking about your uh, Gibson Flying V in the back. Um, before we get into our questions, uh, could you tell us a little more about this wonderful axe? Well, it's uh, how can I say when when I started to um, to playing Wolf, I only had a Les Paul, and that's what I recorded the first. Uh, because when I I tried different guitars, but you know when I found the Les Paul, the Gibson. The Gibson is very special. It's very different compared to Fender or normal instrument. But I, I liked it. And, but then when we, I needed a, sec, a second guitar after a while. And the other guys in Wolf, they insisted that I would buy a V because except. And, you know, yeah. when I looked into it, I, I got kind of, hmm, I should try that one. And, and then I had, they had one at the record store, uh, at the music store. And. I went there, it was like, you know, I was a poor working class guy with not much money. And, and when I was sad, I went into the store and played that V. It always got me in, in a good mood. I saved up to it and I bought it. And so the, the Gibson Flying V became my first wolf guitar. But there were things that wasn't always, op, uh, you know, optimal about it for playing metal so so uh i think after when i recorded legions of bastard i bought that thing that v new and then i rebuilt it so i've installed an evertune system uh because i can't afford a guitar tech to hand me new guitars all the time so it's great it's, it's great because I, i'm a front man i sing and i play riffs at the same time and the evertune system if you know how to set it up it's great it I can do whatever I want live and it will never go out of tune. And oh, the audience awesome. don't have to see me go and get another other guitar. They don't have to see me, uh, you know, check the tuning. And if I get too excited with adrenaline live I, and I hit the strings too hard, it, it won't go out of tune. So it's a, it's a great system. Uh, but after using that or abusing that, I can show you with, what it looks like on the back here. It's ah uh, yeah, buckle <laughs> rash. There you go. Left and I mean, I, I I just put this plate back. It it was open and it started to you know the Evertune system started to get you know really messed up. 
uh, so and I also kind of you know getting older uh, getting a lot of you know some aches in my hands I work my day job I work with my hands and I lift heavy stuff so sometimes it's hard to play the guitar so I wondered you know what would it be like to try what everyone else is doing and, and try a modern metal guitar I haven't done that since I was 16 so then I found this one I'm gonna get it now uh, it's a solar guitar made by uh, the YouTuber and haunted guitarist Ola Englund. Oh, that's and gorgeous. It has every, every uh, thing that I have built into my Gibson uh, and also other stuff that I have been thinking about getting, like uh, taller frets. These are jumbo frets. It, it makes it way easier to play and I can this one I can have any gauge of strings I want but right now I have nine and a half uh, the Gibson wants tens and sometimes you know when my hands hurts it's you know the bendings and and yeah. it's harder this one is easier to play and also a great thing is uh, put glow in the glow in the dark dots oh, so nice. I can see where I am and on the pitch black stage yeah. Stuff like that, I was thinking about continuing rebuilding my my Gibson, but right. I felt like I, I must I must have another guitar like this. So if something happened to it, you know. So so now uh, lately I've been having this one as my main guitar. It's uh, it's like the Gibson, uh, but a bit different. But the same thing. I only have a a volume part that's really easy to to uh, to reach. Uh, just to pick. You know, if I want to do a, a solo on, uh, on on the neck pickup, it's, it's just a switch and a pop, exactly like my my Gibson. So, yeah, stuff like that can can make life easier for the singing guitar player. Right? Yeah, keeping that's, it that's, simple, man. Yeah, that's really that's that's awesome. That's a good uh, look into like your career with guitars. I've been following you guys probably since uh, maybe Black Wings or Evil Star. It might have been Evil Star. Okay. I think Evil Star was my first purchase. Um, oh. Found that at a big box store over here and almost shit myself because my friend, he had access to all kinds of like obscure stuff. And, and Wolf was still pretty obscure at the time over here. Yeah. Even though I think you guys, that was a prosthetic release, right? Or did that get reissued so, yes, by prosthetic? In, in, the, in the U.S. it was prosthetic. And so it was, it was exciting to find the stuff in a, in a huge store and I greedily grabbed it, you know, and have been a fan, you know, ever since, but I've been following like, you know, some of the metal mags and stuff. I can remember seeing pictures with you guys and your Deans. I mean, you seems yeah. like you've had V's pretty much for the entirety of the band's career. And I love that because I too am a V man. I yeah, have see. way more. I, I have a couple other non V shapes. Like I have an iron bird. But like, you know, my Gibson in the back, that's the only I have two Gibsons and one was brand new, does not stay in tune whatsoever. Like the G string yeah. is never in tune, even immediately after I tune it. That one, though, I don't know how it snuck by. That one doesn't really fall out of tune too much. But yeah, so that's interesting to like learn to see what like I've only briefly heard of that tuning system and never really looked into it. And boy, I can imagine Gibsons could really benefit from that because the only other thing they have is like a string butler. That thing you put up yeah. on the on the headstock that's supposed to pull the strings a certain way to keep them from falling out of tune. Yeah. So that's pretty cool, man. I, I, I still though think you should get the wolf. You should put that wolf logo though back on the headstock. I miss that, man. <laughs> you mean like this one? I just <laughs> yes, that's the guy. There you go. I just found it in my my uh, uh, dusty cellar. It was 
I just took took it out again and had, oh had my it gosh, long. so gorgeous! Oh, nice. I haven't played it in a, in a, in a long while. It isn't the same quality as Gibson, but it really looks cool. It, really it looks, looks cool, cool as fuck. Sometimes yeah. that's all that matters. Uh, <laughs> well, at least with Vic's music, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's are, all about looks, the looks. Looks are better than the, the music. That's for sure. <laughs> I also, uh, when we're talking about guitars and, and Gibsons and staying in tune, I have this one. This is a, an old 70s style. Oh, nice. Ooh, this one has yeah. a slightly smaller headstock, which means yeah. that the angle of the G string, it's not, not as uh, brutal. So, so it's straighter, yeah. stays in tune really, really well. But I think this one actually is built in the, in the custom shop. Okay. So it's it's I don't know how I even I was really lucky to get this guitar. Uh, it's 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 gorgeous. You know, with, with Gibson, yeah. I, I really love Gibson Flying Vs. They are like magic wands to me. Uh, they're yeah. so inspirational to play. Not the easiest. It's it's really made for jazz and rock and blues right. that sort of stuff. Uh, but if you find the right one, uh, it's pure magic. But you have right. you have to find the right the right guitar because they are it can be very different and different from different eras but right there's something special about uh gibson flying Vs, i think iconic they're iconic and yeah. you're absolutely right it, it, there's there's like magic in those in those guitars that's why when i found this one i was real excited to get my hands on it i was like oh yeah and it was such a good deal and yeah, man, that's that's uh, flying flying V's in general are the superior guitar shape. Just for, so anyone watching knows, if you're thinking yeah. about getting a guitar, the V is the superior metal guitar. Fight me. Yeah, <laughs> actually, for me, I'm built. You know, I'm, I'm built pretty weird. I have no upper body at all. I have really long arms, and, and my my left shoulder, my my right shoulder is lower than the left. Okay. Uh, so. For me, the V is actually the most ergonomic guitar. Some people okay. can't play them, and it's the most ergonomic sitting down in classical position. It's the most ergonomic standing up, especially the Gibson V that it balances so well. Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't know. I have a really hard time playing normal guitars. I have this one. This is this is a more modern strap. This is okay. a Solar as well. It has a slightly smaller body. Uh, it's more, way more ergonomic uh, than a Fender right. for me because I'm not a very big guy. I'm only 170 centimeters tall, so I don't know how. Right. But so so, but but the V has always felt really good. Feels like you know an extension yeah. of my body almost. So feel very comfortable that's how yeah that's how guitars are supposed i mean most i feel like yeah. most instruments are supposed to if they feel like an extension that makes everything so much easier yeah. especially in the creative process um you talk montag about the, oh, sorry. If, oh sorry no go ahead dreadbull you got, uh, i was just gonna it. ask you talk about that magic when you you know when you find the right one do you know it immediately when you when you pick up a new guitar and you start playing with it does it does it speak to you immediately and you know this uh, is the one like this has got the magic to it sometimes uh but some, sometimes usually it takes a while uh, like with the red uh, flying v i showed you i was just i ordered it ordered it from toman in in germany and i was it was the last one i think i was just really really lucky to get a hold of it and it was like i i had no expectations at first it came really weird with a weird setup i 
took me a while to set it up my way and get used to it. So I was almost, you know, regretting, you know, buying it. The same with the Solar when I got it first, it felt really odd. I had, you know, to do a setup that suited me and get used to it. And after a while, you feel like, wow, wow, this is a really, really good guitar. And and the Solar, uh, it's, you can feel that it's, it's a guitar made for metal and nothing else. Right. So it's very easy to play metal on, and and it sounds great. It sounds really, really good. And I I don't know. I haven't played too many solars. I played like a four or five. I think actually this one was the worst. But I took it to to a shop, and they did did a Plex setup where they they um, have a mach- machine right that uh, you know polish the frets in like extremely minute it's like a thousand of a mm. millimeter or something and it came out ex- ex- like great so that's the that's the guitar i recorded all the rhythm guitars and a lot of other stuff on this album the the latest album uh and it yeah and it saved me <laughs> a lot of time <laughs> because it's easy to play always stay in tune uh, you never had to worry about the tuning so when, yeah. when when you're in the song when when you have everything going for you you don't have to worry and it right. sounds great uh it has a long as a fender scale and of course doesn't you know intonation can be a problem with some gibsons um depending on the tuning and, and string gauges but uh, well would you have the the Gibson I have with a uh, Evertune, you don't have to worry. It's per the intonation is perfect. Uh, but and, and also the the Solar, of course, both because of the longer scale uh, and uh, the Evertune system. So it, it's it, it's a great sounding instrument, but it also it's time saver in the studio. So yeah. and and that was really good because. I didn't want to do too many takes. I just want, we, we, we were work really quick in the studio on this one because we wanted the spontaneous feel, you know, when okay. you're on fire, we go mm. to the studio well rehearsed and then you go to the studio, press record, and then, you know, you go was, at it. Was Shadowland tracked live or did you guys? Uh, no, uh, but the bass, the bass and drums were tracked live. Okay. Uh, and we used my demos as a backing track for them and they they played live and Simon and me, Simon produced the the, the whole thing is the other guitarist in Wolf uh, in his studio. So he was behind, you know, the mixing console Mm -hmm. and I was just listening. So uh, it was, we we tried to to capture the live feel, you know, the the energy of the band. It's, it's a, it's a hard balance because it's very easy when you're a perfectionist like me to, to get everything too perfect. You can really kill the vibe right. if you get, if it gets too perfect. But this, I think on this album, we, we managed to keep the perfect balance. I think. Yeah, no, it's, it's so far now. I'm not going to lie and be like, Oh, I've checked it out. I haven't had time yet. And we made sure to get, I want to talk about this uh, later yeah. on. Don't let me forget. This is my favorite <laughs> hype sticker of all time. But, you know, the singles that have been released, I have been extremely pleased with as a fan, you know, as as a longstanding fan. Um, I'm extremely excited about this one. This is like my favorite art in a while. I love this art. I think the art came out great. The color screen scheme's great. But getting the in-depth and like the the meat and potatoes of how this was tracked, this is what one of the cooler things about having a show like this is being able to get in and, and hear these kind of things about 
I don't know. These guys don't care about that stuff. They, I want to know about the tracking and all the yeah. cool studio secrets and things. So uh, this is this is exciting. But I'm going to Montag, I know you've got probably stuff that you want to want to address and talk about. And I'll just jump in here and there with all my I've got everything set up by my hands so I can quickly access things and we're okay. ready to rock. So go yeah, ahead. I've, and, got, and, uh, I've got my list of questions. So yeah, I, that's cool. I'll just sit here and talk like a moron for like right. the entirety of the remainder of the show. And I was like, <laughs> that's oh, what I was wondering. This, I'm like, this well. thing was like this, <laughs> you know, so, but uh, I'm like, we want him to like us, man. You got to like these. Up. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you might want to come back later on. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, cool. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll start asking the you know our, our our questions and then anytime you want to chime in vic you know because we're going to talk about studio stuff and touring and all those good things um so yeah nicholas uh let's i'm going to talk a little bit about your background uh we'll start with with those kinds of those questions so like where did your love of music come from i think it was from my dad he he always sat around with a guitar and he, we had lots of instruments we had what we call a music room. It was a, just a room, one of the rooms in the house was just filled with instruments. And he wasn't a professional musician. He was like, you know, sing songs and play the guitars. And, but if I wanted to try an instrument, he made sure he, he got it. And he worked overtime at his job as a tractor welder uh, to, oh, wow. to be, be able to afford my first drum kit it was very very supportive and my mom was supportive as well she tried to study in the house while I was banging the drums and uh, we also had you know records my I listened a lot to my dad's records it was uh, the ventures and the shadows a lot of that kind of stuff the instrumental guitar surf music from the 60s oh, which I right. still love uh, and I can I can hear a lot of the shadows in Wolf's music, actually. I, I guess it's not obvious to everybody, but uh, it's something I, I, it still inspires me and I can hear a bit of it. Uh, so I started actually to play the drums when I was five, but I think before that I made a drum kit of old, you know, buckets and uh, things from the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I was so eager to play music. As, and, and my dad brought more stuff from the kitchen and from the garage and everything I could bang on and, and make a homemade drum kit. Wow. Uh, and then uh, one day he took me to a music shop and, and bought, he bought me my first snare drum. It was only a snare drum, mm -hmm. but for me, it was like heaven. I, I, I remember on the way back, I sat in the back seat of the, of the car, just watching that snare drum. And it had a little red marker, uh, you know, mark on, on the drum head. And I still have that drum head with that mark. And I, I, I <laughs> nice. found it at my parents' house. And oh. it looks exactly like I remember it because I, 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 I couldn't stop staring at it. I was so happy. And then I got a symbol. <laughs> so my drum kit was a snare drum and a symbol. And nice. the stand for the symbol was something from his, you know, uh, workshop or something. It wasn't a real... And eventually right. he got me a, a real drum kit. And of course, there was other instruments around the house. And although none in my family has ever been a professional musician, but there was a lot of support and a lot of love for music. So it really came uh, from my very, very, as far as I can remember in my life, you know, when you start to get a memory, like when you're four or five, I always remember the music around. 
Oh, that's yeah, awesome. Fun. Oh, yeah, ahead, it's Greg. funny. It seems like, you know, the vast majority of guests that we ask this question of, it seems like it normally comes from their parents somehow. Either their parents were musicians, or they really supported them. And, uh, you know, it seems you think about heavy metal, you think, oh, it's it's kids rebelling against their parents. That's why they get into metal. But, <laughs> you know, every time we ask this question, it's almost inevitably comes back that it was supportive parents that got them into it. You know, and it really flies yeah. against the uh, sort of general, I think, narrative that people are the, yeah. the, yeah, the stereotype right. that people think of. That's the package you're buying person. into. You're buying into the idea yeah. of rebellion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But man, yeah. it just doesn't, doesn't hold up. Yeah. You know? well, like you, Douglas, <laughs> my, my first uh, drum was a coffee can with some popcorn in the bottom. And I used oh. like spoons to make a snare sound that my dad yeah. had made for me and um i remember them like he actually like whittled a pair of drumsticks for me uh wow. i remember i remember that and then i i too started with a snare drum i was about 10 i think is when they introduced oh, cool. music in our school so i had a premier chrome snare and it came with a little tiny like uh set of you know um chimes you know yeah. and and that's that's what i had uh for for about five years or six years or so just played that and then i finally got my first kit when i was a teenager but uh yeah no that's that's awesome to hear that um yeah that's, cool that's very cool so so speaking of the attraction to metal um what was it that that you like so much about metal as a genre oh i i remember you know i heard about heavy metal because every every adult in school warned about it <laughs> they even warned about it in tv sweden go. was very it was almost like a satanic panic light in sweden mm. so i've heard about metal and i don't know that music is not for me because i i've heard that it's really really bad and it can mess you up <laughs> but one day in in the schoolyard i heard one of the cool guys, you know, with a jeans vest with a lot of patches <laughs> on. He had a, one of those yes. tiny monotape recorders you, you can hold in a handle. And there was a guitar riff coming out of that speaker that sounded like. And I was like, yep. what's that? What's that? It was like, I never heard any, anything like it. I, I think that might have been the first time I've heard distorted guitar. Was that number of the beast? It sounds like number yeah. of the beast. Is that what you just played? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There we it go. Was the number of the beast, and I, I remember thinking it. It's the same melody as "Oh, when the saints." Mm -hmm. When the saints. <laughs> yes. And, and I was like, but it sounded so different. And I found out that in my class there was a guy. He didn't look like a hard rock metal guy at all, but he had all the Iron Maiden albums. I think it was up to. The latest one then was Power Slave. He had them all. I went to his house. I taped them. Uh, I w wanted a record for Christmas. And that Christmas, uh, my parents gave me um, Live After Death, which had just oh, wow. come out. Such and I girl. listened so much to it <laughs> that it eventually, you know, it, the sound wore off. Uh, so I was, of course, Maiden was my introduction into metal music and 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 it was my absolute favorite band through my whole youth uh and i it's still one of my favorite bands although i don't listen to maiden so often because i mean i've heard them a million times but just a couple of weeks ago i revisited the the first two iron maiden uh records with uh, the first self-titled and then killers with paul diana on vocals mm. And I, oh, I was like, it's still as good as I 
remember. Uh, yeah. I, I just loved that music. But of course, many other bands followed, you know, Bark at the Moon was one of, one of my favorite records, still is. Uh, the songwriting on that one is just insanely good. And yeah. a lot of Accept records, you know, we I came from a working class uh, background. We didn't have a lot of money. I couldn't afford to buy records, but I could afford to buy tape, uh, cassette tapes. So I went to all my friends that had the, the vinyls and I, I taped my favorites albums and I listened to it, you know, 24 uh, seven. So, yeah, it was like, well, I guess it's the same for all of you. When you are in a certain age and you discover your music and it becomes right. a part of you and it becomes a part of your identity. And, and when, like when I heard Maiden, it was like, I, I loved guitar music. I loved the ventures and the shadows. And uh, that's what I listened to. I never listened to the pop music on, on the radio. Uh, but, so, but when I discovered Maiden, it was like I found the music I was, had been looking for all my life, but I didn't know I was looking even. It was the same. It was the harmony guitars. It was, uh, you know, the harmony guitars over the E, C and, and, uh, and D chords background. Yeah. It was the, the vocals, you know, the high pitched, very powerful vocals. I never heard anyone sing like that before. It was like all of it, the whole package and the artwork, the artwork of the, of the, of the albums had a huge impact on me as well and i was a, one of those kids who was always drawing monsters so uh, it was a whole it was a whole thing uh, and that thing with with a classic with a painted artwork has been something that wolf has you know uh, continued with that tradition and we also try to have we have the same artist his name is thomas holm He's done most of our, he did the Black Wings was the first he did. And then he okay. did uh, everyone except Evil Star because we had a photo there. But I like it when it's like, it's, it's a mysterious thing. It's a piece of art and it continues. You can see that right. the band has the same artist, the same style, uh, that kind of thing. And I guess that's came from Iron Maiden as well. Yeah, Derek Riggs. That's important. Yeah. I think that's I think that's great. That's uh that's consistency and it's subtle consistency in terms of like when you use the same artist for for every, you know, record and such. I, I like that kind of stuff. I think that's I as a fan, I think that's very appealing that, that yeah. you, you continue along. Oh yeah, um, Dreadful, Dreadful and I used to uh pour over the maiden covers, you know, like to look yeah. at them, all the details yeah. And, yeah. and just like, you know, especially on an album as as complex the cover as uh somewhere in time yeah, yeah where there's yeah. all the little like references to yeah. like other other maiden yeah. albums and songs uh, on the artwork you know oh yeah, yeah. That's, really that's cool. what you did you sit in your bedroom floor you put the album on and mm -hmm. you stare at the album cover <laughs> yeah that's why that's what's time. appealing that's what's appealing about vinyl you yeah know, is it's big yeah you can you can hold it yeah, yeah. and Beautiful. you you hold it while you listen to it Unless you're not listening to it, unless it's just background music, people do that too. But I like to sit down and be like, mm, you know, and, and clam up and, and you know, pour over yeah. the details of that or pour over the, sure. the liner notes and such. Um, that's the way that the that that media was meant to be taken in is with your full attention. You sit down in your you with headphones or in front of your speakers, you hold the cover. Yeah. take it in you read the liner notes nobody really does that anymore i don't think but maybe it's a thing coming back I, but 
I don't know. That's that's the way it's meant to be taken. And it's not just that, you know, CDs kind of ruined. Like you got to physically get up and turn a record over. Yeah. It makes you appreciate the music more. Sometimes I just listen to side A like five times. So I'm just too lazy to flip it. But it gets me like really into deep cuts and such. So I'm happy to see that, like, uh, you know, with with you guys continuing on, you know, the vinyl format as well, uh, which leads me to a question just as a fan unfortunately i'm always late to the game so picking up wolf records on vinyl unless you're there you know when they drop you could find yourself in a bind it took me forever to get the black flame which is a desert island record for me and i don't shut up to it about these guys i talk about it like, i think it's probably every show i think i bring it up it's one of my favorite all-time records of all times uh i was fortunate to finally snag a copy of that i think it's important for me to have all of my desert island records on vinyl it's a weird quest i've set myself up for <laughs> But I would like to have like Evil Star and and Black Wings and such, and those ones are difficult to find. Is there any pressings in the future? Maybe, uh, yeah. maybe those will those see the light of day again on that format? Because I know you can find them, but it's tough. Yeah, I know, and um, that's the reason we are trying to get the rights to re release those albums. But there, there will be, you know lawyer involved and a lot of money to get the rights to do it, and it's it's a bit weird because that record label doesn't really exist anymore so someone has all the rights uh. to the masters but uh we have been talking about it for years and i think after this records we we i think we we have to do it and, and it kind of it makes me sad that people had to um, pay so much money for the, you know like a copy of the first wolf album and they were right. very limited as well I think there was only 500 finals of all the first Wolf records. Yeah. Uh, and then after a while, it started to get more, you know, different colors and, and, and such. So it's, right. more, it's more copies now. But um, someone did a re-release of Revenus a couple of years ago, actually. Okay. Uh, so that one, I think you should be able to get an Evil Star. I don't think it was too at least a couple of years ago it wasn't too difficult to buy it but i i'm not sure now anymore i looked recently and it was it was rough those price tags okay. were rough i mean good for somebody you know paying for their kid to go to college or maybe they just want pizza for a year i don't know but you know it, it's uh those prices are, are are pretty high right now so i mean yeah. good on you i i feel cool if if something i've made sells for like a stupid amount of money i feel bad yeah, for I wish I, it, but i always feel good about it i'm really happy that someone makes uh money on the wolf for you. <laughs> yeah it's oh yeah that's always the thing too i couldn't sell this for eight dollars it's going for 30 now what the yeah. hell man so when you so as a young musician i want to steal this one montag i'm going to throw this one in there i'm sure it was part of the thing can you remember any of your earlier projects and of course i want to touch on the whole like i know that for a long time people thought you were in a black metal band and you've recently talked about how you didn't know you were in a black metal band i, no. I love that one I, and i would love to elaborate on that but i'm also curious though about you know just early bands prior to wolf did you have any bands prior to wolf not any band that was any significant the first band we had we was a, we were a trio in school uh i i was a drummer and we had a guitar player and a bass player no singer of course so it was all instrumental rock music we, we didn't have a distortion pedal we didn't know how to get the the hard rock sound so we played with a with a clean sound and the band was called chives 
No. Like, sorry, no. I don't know. We just, I, someone looked it up in a dictionary or something. We were like, well, and then I, I got an offer to be in a band with all the guys and they, they could even play the guitars. One of them was really good. And uh, now we had distortion, stuff like that, you know. <laughs> Uh, we had a bass player who, who couldn't play, so we had to, you know, uh, we had to show him what frets, you know, to, yeah. to pick at the right time because he had no knowledge of the the, the neck of the bass. He did, didn't even <laughs> get how, so you know, you know, we've all worked with somebody like that. <laughs> but, but it was really cool. So that was my second band, and we had a, I think that was my first show. We had a show. One of the band members were, was a member in the church of a church so uh, there was a, like a youth night and we played at that church and we got all my friends my cool hard rock friends from school to, to attend to the church and you 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 would think that the church ladies and the you know you know the, the pastor he would be happy you know all these kids they can come here and you know uh hear about jesus and get saved but of course they were pissed off you know so loud. Our, in our nice church and they were sitting on the bench and there was cans of soda left after them it was terrible it was terrible so yeah <laughs> Well, that was the, the first show, and I was That's so fantastic. nervous. <laughs> That's like the quintessential story. It was so yeah. loud, and that, all the old that, folks were shaking their fists. That's like one of the best stories we've ever had. On that. Uh, that and it was fantastic. so innocent, too. That's the best part. It was so yeah. innocent. Yeah. It's like they left soda cans behind. It wasn't like yeah. beer and joints yeah, and like, heroin like, needles. Yeah. Like, no goats be being sacrificed kid. on the altar. Love it. Oh, yeah. this oh. is That's good. That's a beautiful story, man. They had a I soda can. That. Oh, that's awesome. That. So God, did, then, God did, hates did, cans. <laughs> soda. I mean, soda. yeah, and soda's bad for you. So it's the I devil's guess. juice. That's yeah. Right. Is it... <laughs> so I mean, after these bands, it was it was Wolf for you then. After uh, these, kinda... yeah, I was in a short while. I was a drummer in. Uh, do you know the Christian band Narnia? Oh, were you really? Yeah. I was uh, his drummer for a while. Uh, because I needed a drummer, and I, I could still play the drums pretty well. I have to really, you know, practice. Yeah. So I, I did that, but you know, I was really by then. I when I was sixteen, I switched to guitars, and that's what I, yeah. I wanted to be a guitar player. So after a while, it felt like no, this isn't me, you know. And, yeah. And um, then he, uh, I quit, and he reformed the band, and it became Narnia. Um, Oh, but I thought he was, was going to cool. take it in a different direction, like make it like a satanic band, like the Christian yeah. thing didn't work. No, that so was that was <laughs> vengeance. Go the other end, like mm-hmm. only vengeance did that. Vengeance Rising did that. Yeah, exactly. So after that, I was, uh, yeah, after that, it was Wolf. Uh, I was in a weird place in my life for for a couple of years where I, I really didn't play metal. I I wasn't well. I it was I was in a really weird place, but so. And then I didn't listen to metal, didn't listen to it at all. Uh, and I think that's why when I came back, when I was like in my 20s, early 20s, that's why it's all, all felt so fresh again. The main, because the, now we are in the 90s and no one, everybody, you know, had ditched all the classic metal mm-hmm. stuff. No one wanted to listen to that. It was grunge and yeah. all of that stuff. And uh, for me, when I revisited uh, Iron Maiden and Judas Priest, and except for for a long time, you know, had a long break. It was like, ooh, it felt like yesterday. And I was so, I want to play this music because this mm. is time. I don't care what people think, you know, 
in the 90s, you were kind of laughed at if you came to right. a party and put on number of the beast record or something. Uh, but I didn't care. And eventually I found another guy who didn't care as well. And that was the bass player of Wolf. Uh, and he was, he, he was in a really an original weirdo. He was a weirdo. He was very strange guy, I think. We were very <laughs> different. People thought that of me too. That's why I couldn't find anyone to play with. Uh, but uh, he was as well, but we were also very, very different. But we could, you know, we had the music in common and the passion for metal. Mm. And he, I was more of the musician type and he was really not. He could almost play the bass guitar. He didn't know any musical theory. He came from, I mean, his dad couldn't sing like old MacDonald had a bar. He couldn't <laughs> oh. sing it. He was like, if he tried, it's like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> his wife would go, stop it, stop it. It sounds terrible. You're scared of it. <laughs> That's, that was his background. And he didn't have to support, support as I did. So, but he was so stubborn. He really wanted to play metal. And, and that... Uh, and, and it was really good for me to, to collaborate with someone that wasn't a musician guy because I, mm. I had a lot of older musician friends that I looked up to and tried to learn and I tried to study some music theory. He was the opposite, but he had a talent for making really cool riffs. And I think one of the reasons was that he couldn't, he didn't know how to, how to do it the right yes. way. Yes, so he listened I can to, attest to that. <laughs> yeah, he listened to metal yeah. and he just came up with his own riffs. And a lot of the early Wolf uh, songs were based on his riffs. And when I heard one of his, you know, cool riffs, oh, this is really cool. And I could, I mean, took me immediately. I got, you know, a song ID and a way mm. to structure everything. So it, it was a great collaboration. And after a while, we find a drum, drummer, found a drummer who also wanted to play this music. And that was the first drummer on the first Wolf record. He was an old friend of actually both of us, but in different periods of our lives. And uh, uh, he had also that this, he had rediscovered his passion for Iron Maiden and all of that stuff that we grew, grew up with. Uh, and so it was like the three of us in, in an old bomb shelter in a rehearsal. It was <laughs> in, in the basement somewhere in, in a building. And it felt like it was the three of us against the world. We were just en en enjoying making this music, but no one in, in at that time point in time in Sweden wa wanted to hear it. And uh, right. it was all, almost like people were mocking us. We sent demos to music magazines and mm. we thought, ah, this is going to be really cool because we think that it was good songs. But it was like almost... You know, we laughed at it. it was a joke, and uh, we released the first record. We got some people really loved it. And, it's great. It's a stellar yeah, record. And some people were still like trying to, were mocking us. But then we released the second album, Black Wings. And by that, when that record hit the market, it was like, yeah, try to mock us now, you fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Man. So uh, by, by that time, you know, People had, I guess, tired a bit of the grunge and the hardcore and everything and new metal. And when they heard a band like Wolf, they recognized, you know, 
something of their youth, I guess. Mm. And they rediscovered classic heavy metal. And then we just continued doing it. And eventually it became cool again. Yeah, right. I mean, especially like the traditional metal movement. Like, I, I feel like you guys were, you know, the new wave of traditional metal. You're one of the bands that I personally think of in that whole thing. I mean, like, you guys were... I don't know. So in my, I, I was part of the new wave of thrash. So I was in with, you know, all those U S bands, like, like bonded by blood and Warbringer and whatnot, but there was always like violator from South America that had been, you know, that predates the new wave of thrash's movement by several years. So like, I think a wolf in that position, cause it was like, you know, then enforcer happened. And then that, that sound, which you guys have always sounded different to me than, you know, traditional, just, new wave of traditional metal bands but I, I feel like you guys were predating that movement so you guys are like one of the reasons i feel like that made it cool again i don't know if olaf's ever been like they were an influence on me but i mean like i would think that you know your proximity to enforcer that you guys did have to have some kind of influence on on that boy and and his making the music so i mean i feel like yeah, yeah you guys were definitely forerunners with that whole rebirth of that of just traditional heavy metal like you know, the Judas Priest and the Iron Maiden type sound. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw a Swedish music TV show where they brought up the old Wolf records and everything. And uh, even if, you know, the traditional new wave of traditional metal bands, the younger generation, a lot younger than, than, than Wolf, they try sometimes, I think they're trying to really sound like they weren't there in the 80s. I was. Right. They tried right. to relive it, try to, you know, sound like that, produce the albums to sound like that. Right. And we've never done that. And I, I don't think that they think, at least they would never admit that Wolf had been an influence. They say that, you know, the old British band Wolf. Oh, from, right. Yeah, they yeah. are cool. <laughs> they are the real Wolf. And, yeah. and you know, the, the obscure British uh, new wave of uh, British heavy metal band, the better. But it's no question that Wolf, our Wolf, <laughs> had uh, paved the way for yeah. that whole way. No matter if they, they at least the, the kids saw that you can actually, you can, that, that's what they discovered with Wolf. You can play the, this music. You actually yeah. can do it, you know. Because right. before we did it, it, it was uh, quite unthinkable. It's right. hard to, to really... If you weren't around in the 90s, you, 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 you can't really understand how unthinkable it was to really do this. Um, right. Yeah. So with, uh, I mean, with with the release of a new record uh, coming out of the pandemic, I know you guys did the, the live stream with with where I got the pleasure of seeing Sorcerer, whom we've had yeah. the pleasure of interviewing a few times, um, you know, which that was a great show. I, I loved that show personally. My wife and I watched it. It was super convenient for us because we were in our living room with a clean bathroom and beer was a lot cheaper in my house than going to a live show. But now that like, you know, things seem to, you know, slowly and surely be evening out. Are there tour plans? Yeah, we had tours uh, lined up for, for the release of this album. One of the tours were actually continuing doing the tour that was aborted because of the pandemic. But then and that was with Grand Magus, another Swedish band, one of my favorite Swedish band bands and uh, it got cancelled due to everything being so uncertain around covid a couple of months ago and also with another tour planned uh, mm -hmm. and that was 
perfectly lined up for the release of this album and that it was also cancelled some months ago and since then we have only done one live show when it started to open up again and that was uh, actually with Sorcerer as uh, as well and now we are looking to to uh, book new tours there's nothing that has been written on paper that nothing has been settled yet it's been really really hard for some reason and i I guess a lot of promoters are still a bit you know scared to take the Mm. risk so it's been um it's been it's been tough but we have plans and we have a new booking agency that we have been working with now for only a couple of couple of years but uh Dude, the COVID thing is still making everything very yeah. difficult. All the festivals are lagging two years behind. So we will play live again as much as we possibly can. Uh, right. I, I think we have released this one of our absolute strongest albums uh, in our career. So it would really, really suck not to get this album out live. Right. So that is the plan. But I can't tell you more right now, unfortunately. It's been, well, it's been here, a couple hard years with everybody. I mean, that's the right. whole thing. It's like tours start, they get canceled, um, you know, because of because of COVID. And there are some bands who've, who've done smaller shows or they do an occasional festival. But it's got to be really frustrating, uh, someone who wants to make more of a living doing mm-hmm. you know, yeah. doing what you love, to, yeah. to not be able to get out and play, um, you know, as much as you want to. Yeah, and now we, we have a new lineup with a new the rhythm section. And the, I think the band sounds better than ever live uh i mean at the first rehearsal it was crazy sound good sounding for me i i i remember when we started like we weren't really good musicians in that bomb shelter uh, <laughs> but we you know really you know rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed got better i got i've seen the evolution of wolf and now at the first rehearsal with these guys that have also like rehearsed with other bands when they grew up it sounded so solid. It was unbelievable. Uh, so now I see even more live potential for Wolf. Uh, and it's so fun to, to play together with these four guys that mm-hmm. we are now. The, the new, I mean, I've enjoyed every lineup and every lineup it, it's a, is a part of Wolf history and it's been great. But right now I'm really enjoying <laughs> playing with Simon and uh, Yuan and Pontus. They are amazing musicians. I feel like for the first time in the Wolf's career, I'm not the musician in the band anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I have to practice more to just, you know, come up to to their standard of, uh, you know, musicianship. Yeah. So uh, that's that's great. I haven't haven't experienced that since I played actually with a guy from Narnia. He, He was 16 and already was like, fucking uh, virtuoso on the yeah. guitar uh, and that was very it's very very helpful to play with people that are much better than you are you you really can grow doing totally that. concur yeah uh, absolutely agree with that now with the, the other guys in wolf it's just so f- much fun and it's so easy you know that's why we didn't have to do too many takes in the studio because we came there they're well rehearsed but not too well rehearsed and just right. you know went at it like three four takes per song uh and i think yeah we nailed it on the third and then we you know nowadays you can take the best parts of you know you can right. record everything we don't record on tape anymore so it's but 
the, the hard part now is not getting it too perfect. Right. Uh, but it, it's, it's great. So it's great working in a studio with musicians like that. And it will be even better, you know, playing live, which we have done only <laughs> a couple of times, actually. Right. But it's, it, 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 it's a lot of fun with these guys. To my knowledge, you guys have only played the States twice. Uh, Unfortunately. Was it three times? Yeah. I know Prague Power and BWBK. What was the third appearance? Uh, it was a hard Massachusetts hardcore and metal festival. Oh, my gosh. It well, was, who do I, I have to hold? Was, I need to hold somebody in, hostage and get you over here again. Yeah, Your bu- yeah. bucket list band for me. I had the opportunity to catch that BWBK, but I was still kind of new to everything. Okay, I, ended yeah. up, I think I went to the pre-show fest. And uh, I didn't, I think that was the year, but it might've been the the one before it. Cause there was only three BWBKs before the fest moved out of Cleveland, which is where oh, we're all from. Okay. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. We're all from the Cleveland area. Well, not technically Cleveland, but that's, no one says like, we're from Amherst. No one knows where that is. We say Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. okay. We're all right there. But uh, yeah, uh, that's, you guys are a bucket list band. So we need to get you back to, I know that's not, it's easier said than done. It's just get a hold of promoters and, yeah. and, and you can stay at and, wild cards house. You could totally, yeah, stay at we house. have all the anonymities Open here. door policy uh, over there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I remember that show in, in Cleveland. It was great. We, we played the evil star for the first time ever. And it was, uh, months before we even recorded it. And I didn't have the vocals tried to write the vocals on, on the plane and ended up with <laughs> oh, wow. like, you know, have you ever seen the Muppet show with the Swedish chef? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that was me on that song. <laughs> yes. so, oh, that's I, I, awesome. I, I had no clue what I was singing at all. It was just pure mumbo jumbo because I forgot <laughs> everything. You know, I, I, I don't know how, how I could be so stupid to think that I could, you know, just made up you know lyrics on the spot you know or remember something i wrote the day before on the plane but it was a lot of fun i also remember you know the, the merciful fate gu- guitarists they had they had a band called I don't remember the name of the band now but uh they they were there and they, force merciful, of evil force of evil yeah yeah merciful fate of course being a huge influence on wolf so i was standing there and meeting those guys for the first time and standing and asking them a lot of questions you know uh about the riff, uh, how they write riffs and how they think about songwriting and stuff. And, and I was like in, in heaven, I got them to sign one of my each arm, you know, uh, <laughs> and then came a, a wolf and tapped me on the shoulder and wanted to sign me to sign something. And I was like, this is weird. You know, <laughs> I'm standing here with, with two gods and you want my autograph, you know, and, and it was a, comical situation we you know had a laugh all three of us but yeah and and I, that, that was cool i had so many great memories from that festival oh that yeah, was that, one of the was... things i was going to ask you about some of the some of your heroes who you had met and that's a that's a great story um because we're all fans of someone no matter what level we're at we're, we're we all love someone else you know so are there any other other of your heroes perhaps that you've met and and what was that experience like for you? Oh, yeah, I, I can tell you about the, the funniest experience. It, it, it was only because I only met my heroes when I was an adult and a musician myself. So I've never been, you know, starstruck meeting people. But there was one weird moment where we were touring with one of, one of my childhood heroes, Blackie Lawless and Wasp. Oh, nice. 
and he is he is a different he is a bit he is blacky is blacky so it was a weird you know seeing him walking around like tall as a giant but he he never looked anyone in the eye one time he stood next to me and had a piss you know at the piss bar and it was like i wasn't he, he wasn't even notice noticing that it was anyone else there he was in his own whole in his own own word all the time but on the last date i happened to hear when they sound checked his he had the the backing vocals on backing tracks so I, they had it in the PA really loud. It was only Blackie's voice. And I, I mean, I love Blackie's voice. It's, it's pure magic for me. It's like, it's like a fist in the heart, you know. And I was so, you know, I had goosebumps just hearing his vocals with no background, no guitars, nothing. It was pure magic for me. I just stood, I was freezing in a corridor and just, you know, listening to this. And all of a sudden, Blackie came out from a door, you know, approaching in the, uh, me in, in the corridor. And it was only me and him there. And it was a, la, la, the last night. So I, I, I said to myself, it's now or never. This is my chance. <laughs> so I walked up to him and, and grabbed his hand and, you know, sh- shook his hand. And, hello, I'm Nick from, you know, the, the Wolf. And I uh, just want to tell you, blah, blah, blah. And, and it, it, as it turns out, Wasp was my first concert experience they were they were the support band of iron maiden on the somewhere on tour and it was my first big concert experience when i was like 14 years old and i was it was so i mean it, i can't even describe how, how deeply it impacted me it was like dying and going to heaven and meeting god uh so i told and he was like yeah yeah because then he started to talk to me like a normal person and it was the first time he ever talked to anyone on that tour and he said yeah and he started to remember and i could see like yeah it was 1986 right yeah and it was and i was starting i was explaining that this was my first concert experience when i was 14 years old and and as I started to talk about these things, I turned into that Nicholas, 14-year-old <laughs> uh, uh, metal fan who just discovered. Uh, so I got so excited. So I don't even know what I said. And uh, all of a sudden, I just saw Blackie, you know, I saw the back of Blackie Lola <laughs> disappearing in a distance. Uh, and I was, I was standing there like, ah, and my legs were shaking. And I was like, well, what the fuck happened? And probably he was like, I guess he was like, oh no, it's happening again. <laughs> so he just turned his back and walked, but I don't even remember it. So I, I got back to our dressing room, like, and, and this was everybody talked about how, how no one got even eye contact with Blackie. No one, you know, we were all big Wasp fans, and it would be cool if he just said hi sometimes. And, you know, we had discussed, it was a topic on the tour. So I came back to the to the dressing room. I have met Blackie Lawless and my <laughs> knees were shaking. And and uh, Andy, the bass player, oh Nick, are you starstruck? And I was like, no. <laughs> Must be the yeah yeah. I, it, it's the first time and the, the, it's the first and only time. So that was the. I mean, I met a lot of my childhood heroes and a lot of my influence i've met a lot of those people now and and it's it's also it's 
great every time if you have a good meeting. And it turns out that all people, most of them are really, really down to earth guys and, and just great guys. But meeting like uh, that experience was completely different. <laughs> Thank God <laughs> but, that didn't happen well, when you were taking a piss next to each other. That would have been super <laughs> no, yeah. awkward. Yeah, that had been, been a different been story. More awkward, I think. I, I'm glad I didn't tell him the story about the first concert <laughs> at that you know moment. Right. So at least I have that. Oh, that's great. That's oh, great. Oh, that well, so well yeah. since we're talking about touring, I've got some other questions I'd like to ask about. Yeah, we're running out of time now, I see. Uh, what, what I have the, another interview. What What uh -oh. time do you, how much time do you have? Uh, none. None? Oh, <laughs> no, oh none. okay. Well, well okay. before we let you go, uh, yeah. well, first we want to thank you for, yeah, thank you for, so much. for being here. Um, we, we weren't sure how much time you had. We want to thank you for showing up and, and spending this time with us. We really appreciate it. Would it be too much to ask for you to do a bumper for us? This is Nicholas from Wolf, and you are watching Heavy Metal Horror. Would that be okay? Yeah, of course, yeah. Okay, whenever you're ready. Yeah. Hmm. Now, got me Ingwi, Ingwi hairdo. There you go. <laughs> hey there, this is Nicholas from Wolf, and you're watching Heavy Metal Horror Show. Thank you very much. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Um, perfect. You're welcome back anytime. We'd love to have you come back on. Um, yeah, I would love to come back because I realize I have lots of stories. Yes, we <laughs> want to hear the great them. story. We, we, want, we them want to all. hear them yeah. all. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, yes, we'll, we'll be in touch uh, through. We'll, we'll set up another time for you to come back on if, if that's Absolutely. okay with you. We can do a part two if you, you like. Yeah, part two, yeah, three, four. How, however much time you want to give us, we'll take. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, all right, all right. All right. So thank you very much, Nick. Uh, we'll, we'll get our outro and we'll get out of here. Hey, you can find Heavy Metal Horror at unsaneradio.com. Listen to full episodes or download to your device. You can find us on Facebook, Heavy Metal Horror Podcast. On Instagram, look for Montag Lewis, one word. Our YouTube page, which is where you're at, Heavy Metal Horror Podcast. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. And we're also on Roku, Hotel Metal Jam. If you know someone who'd like us, tell them about us. This has been Montag, Master of Illusion. Dreadbull. Wildcard. Okay, Nick, you can join us. Bring up the horns. And oh, you've yeah. been watching Heavy, heavy Metal. 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 <laughs> that was perfect. That was, that was great. great. The best one ever. The more out of sync we are, the better it is. Yeah. yeah. This is Doug Helbring, and you have been listening to Heavy Metal Horror, the best podcast that you've never heard before. <laughs>